how to arouse uh, motivation and energy for using the various techniques that cultivate awareness. Well, you know, what, from my experience, when you, by following that, that pattern of Four Noble Truths, you know, you start, you begin to get this feeling of, of observing, and, and instead of just thinking about Dhamma, you you're applying it, you're putting it, in, internalizing it. So you're not trying to define dukkha and get the proper English equivalent and and who what's the cause of dukkha and things like this as as something intellectual and external that you you start observing just like I became aware of just the, the sense that even when my life was all right you know a sense of anxiety or kind of uh, you know that was not caused by anybody or anything just the just a habit pattern of thinking and worrying about the future or or self-consciousness being concerned with what people think of me and things like this or you know your own kind of personality how it operates and just where before I'd been more like psychotherapeutic about it uh, I found that this way was was much more helpful rather than trying to to make it into anything complicated, just to observe, just this general feeling of dis-ease or doubt, uncertainty, and and also just to know what kind of character you have, not to criticize it, but to you know to be where 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 you kind of lose it, where you where you're hurt the most, where you're most vulnerable, and. Uh, and so you start taking an interest, not in, in in a personal way, but in this Dhamma way. And you begin to change from analyzing it on a personal level or a psychological level to seeing it uh, in terms of arising, ceasing, um, conditioned phenomena. And, and you're also more interested in, in its cessation rather than trying to get rid of it, you know, trying to suppress it or run away, you're, you're more, you, you know, you'll develop more kind of, kind of patience with even unpleasant mental states until they, and kind of bear with them until they naturally cease. And then you, then you have, you, you get insight, these insights, the 12 insights through the Four Noble Truths. I found it, you know, it's like a revelation because you know, I, I saw, I always saw things too personally, took everything too, you know, my, I was a strong egotistical character, and so everything was, was uh, you know, made my life quite unbearable, not because of, of uh, anybody persecuting me particularly, but just, just these tendencies and obsessions around myself and just that shift if you notice like the first noble truth you, there is dukkha there is suffering and then uh, suffering should be understood so that the, the first the first insight is the, like a bariati dhamma it's, uh, it's just a statement there is dukkha and then the, then the second aspect 
is it should be understood and then third is the insight it has been understood and so that 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 sequence is all the four noble truths each truth has that that pattern of the three three aspects and that's a that is a reflective style you know it's not just stating what you should believe or uh, agree or disagree with it's just pointing to something that is quite easy to observe suffering in yourself and then that should be understood how do you understand it by analyzing it blaming it on somebody or God or yourself or whatever or in this way it means changing from dismissing that or thinking about analyzing to observing because that's the Bhattipata so there's for each noble truth there's the Bhariyati Bhattipati and Bhattiwati these are the Pali terms and it's a it's like a paradigm or a pattern that is encourages us to reflect on something that is quite ordinary in, in anyone's life and we're changing from just the the kind of personal reactions to suffering or ignoring it or suppressing it or blaming it to to observing it and that's why it's a it's a noble truth because if when you think of it what's noble about suffering <laughs> most of it is a something none of us want, like or want but it's it's like the sense of nobility a sense of you changing from this kind of person blaming suffering on others or conditions to observing it that's a shift that's an important kind of uh, quantum leap from worldly conditioning to Dhamma to seeing things in terms of Dhamma rather than in according to the way you're culturally programmed to see things and like suffering tends to be uh, you know from in the western world very much something that you know we've got this idea we should be happy and if there's if we're suffering there's something wrong with us we should go to a psychotherapist and take drugs and get away from and, and or you know people blame God and say you know how can you do this to me uh, you should have made everything nice for me and said you put a curse on my life that's one way there's nothing noble in that but you know when you think of an Arya Satya or a noble truth there's something in us that rises up in a more mature way to to look at suffering in terms of Dhamma rather than just the habitual reactions to discomfort, disease, fear, and desire. And as you trust it, well, you know, the inside first, it, you start out with the Bariyati Dhamma, you know, with the, there is suffering. Well, that, that kind of triggers it, you know, gives you the suggestion. But it's not a like a dogma you have to believe in. It's, you know, it's not like you have to believe in the first noble truth. It's just a, a pointing at, at something so ordinary in anyone's life. 
and then changing your re- re- response to it instead of reacting you're, you're studying it, investigating it, looking at it and then you, as you do that you begin to see you know the, the sequence of how the habitual thinking process we, we create, you know, we live in, in, a, in a deluded world actually, the society uh, the, that's why the politics and economics are a mess because everybody's deluded nobody knows what they're doing so then then we all have various views and opinions about how what government should be and uh, how what the economy should be and, and then have wars and it goes on endlessly in that vein but this is like an awakening so you can't you know you can't expect the government to do this but, it, but this is why it is it's, uh, to be known by oneself alone like budget time where you see that for when you need it's something you have to see for yourself and as you begin to appreciate that you find it you begin to trust it because you do begin to you know you're changing your attitude towards yourself towards the world towards everything from just the ordinary reactive you know your own personal habitual emotional reactions to life whatever they might be or cultural biases or expectations you're, you're, you're not trying to criticize that or make any but, but being the observer of it it's like, like mindfulness gives you the putting it in terms like it, it, it opens this door to a kind of universal intelligence you know you you know we're conditioned when we're born like a baby's born and then you're then you're conditioned by first your mother you know she's the main influence in the beginning years of your life and her feelings her cultural attitudes her identities uh, and your family your father family and social identity is instilled in those early years of, of childhood and and so you form your worldview from that and and then that tends to operate throughout your life that basic conditioning and and the only way one can get out to be going to see that conditioning is not to find something else other conditioning but to observe it and so instead of being just a kind of conditioned person that's operating from from by a program that you didn't even ask for <laughs> you start you know you start getting behind it and it's like mindfulness is that is transcending the conditioning of your mind and then you you know you begin to once you see that you you trust it more and more because you think there's nothing else you can trust conditions that you know governments politics other people we want to find somebody another person we can put our trust in and inevitably we become disappointed and, and everything you know that we we want to 
to give us security will inevitably disappoint us or fail us and so because that's the nature of this realm it's a incessant change and, and there's no way you can make it the way you want it but you can do this and I found that you know by 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 practicing with that over the years because I caught on very quickly and when I was a, before I even met Mungpo Cha the Samanera I did uh, almost a year of, of just uh, reflecting on these noble truths and you know, I began to see you know what I began to get more confident how to use that rather than just you know see it from this Buddhist Buddhism or Buddhist teaching or Buddhist doctrine and because it's very clear it's, it's a practical tool it's not, not meant to be a metaphysical teaching or theory of any sort so, so it's like a noble truth rather than ultimate truth but it's like the Buddha taking something so banal so ordinary as dukkha and then from that, from that kind of very ordinary experience, it takes you if you follow the the four noble truths pattern, takes you to the path to deathless reality. And it, it, you know, so it, it, but each truth has its, you know, like second, and third noble truths are about the cause and the cessation. Well, I found, you know, like, like, like motions and that oftentimes arise just through conditions like anger, something can, somebody can do something that makes something and you just feel it before you even know it, you feel this anger. And then, uh, then you, then I began to, you know, I used to try to suppress anger and uh, try to, you know, push it away or or take it too personally, feel like I shouldn't be angry. Uh, anger is a personal weakness and something wrong. <laughs> well, in, in other words, then, then I began to just, through the noble truth and through this uh, reflection on the dependent origination, I began to see anger no longer as such a, as something personal in the conditions for anger arise and this is what you feel and even though it's like something like that arises very quickly at that point where you suddenly beware you're feeling angry like this then you can cut the chain cut the the momentum of that habit right at that point with mindfulness because you suddenly instead of like suppressing it trying to deny it or believe it and just follow it those are the two extremes. But this way, you, even though you, even if you, you know, say something, tell somebody off in anger or hit them, there's always a point where you suddenly realize that point is a, actually an awakened state. We suddenly realize the anger, and then then not to see it in terms of some kind of personal defect, because then you're making it more than what it actually is. 
<coughs> but trusting your mindfulness not what it feels like this is anger is a strong emotion you feel it in your body it's hot it's <coughs> you know exciting and things like this so you can easy to recognize but <coughs> then the ones that are I found like uh, my big my big uh, obstruction was doubt I'm a real doubter and uh so I, you know, ang- I get angry, I have lust and things like that, but they had the Lopa Dosa Moha, you know, I, I contemplated these three, greed, hatred, and delusion, and I decided, well, I think my biggest problem is delusion. <laughs> and so I, I really took an interest in it, and then, then like uh, my early acquaintance, before I came into the Theravada world was through Zen, Japanese Zen, which I never practiced, but I, I, I you know, I read a lot of that kind of literature. And, uh, of course, they use doubt a lot in the koan, and deliberately use, make yourself, throw yourself into a state of uncertainty and doubt quite intensely. And, uh, and then you begin to uh, you in this mindfulness practice, you begin to observe this feeling of uncertainty, doubt, is like this. You can begin to to recognize it. This kind of confusing, foggy feeling of insecurity, doubt, and and then you change from being someone who, who claims doubt as your personal problem to being one who uses doubt as a as a way of of investigating the noble truths. Now that's why, you know, each one of us is, has our own particular karma to deal with. You know, I mean, not, not, the Four Noble Truths is a nice, neat pattern that, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, but it's not meant to be like uh, only one way of doing it, you know, where the way I've done it is the way you should do it, but it's, uh, it's taking something like dukkha that we all have experience and how to how to change from running away blaming reacting to it to to using it and and then you and Ajahn Chah was was always very praising people who want to develop their own upayas or skillful means as sometimes you have to, that's why you have to really observe, not critically observe yourself, but observe the preferences, tendencies, uh, obsessions, not to, not to make any judgment, but so you can actually see them in terms of mental objects rather than as personal problems. And then it, you know, over the years, you apply that to whatever's happening in your life. So, it, you know, like the stories about establishing Wadanacha, <laughs> you know, having the. I like solitude. I like going off in Kuti and practicing alone, and then suddenly I'm head of a community. 
and that brings up certain anxieties and fears and doubts but then the point is to be able to use that while you're on the job you know I don't have to run away to the forest to do it any but like in the middle of it in the middle of a of a storm you, you begin to observe it rather than just run away from it they had this, one of these Tibetan they, I mean I remember seeing this like a it says a, a lotus blooming in the midst of an inferno is indestructible then you have this picture of the, this inferno this fire and then this lotus flower in the middle of this inferno you know so then then you contemplate you know a lotus is a is a delicate thing you know and the inferno is very strong, you know, hot, fun, destructive, and powerful. And then in the middle of this is this lotus, which is very delicate. And so then uh, I use this as a reminder that sometimes you find yourself in the in the midst of an inferno. I mean, a lot of a lot of you know confusing things, demands, and that come your way, and then. Then, but something like that, I'd remember that lotus in the midst of all that. And that's mindfulness to me. The lotus is like uh, I really equate with mindfulness. It's indestructible. And no matter what the inferno going on outside, mindfulness is is indestructible. And then you begin to trust that and develop and cultivate it. After a while, the mindfulness becomes more like a a, con- a continuity. At first, it's just more like flashes or insights, and then you're back into the old pattern. But as you begin to to appreciate this and trust it, then you find that you know mindfulness is ability to to stay with something as it arises and ceases, it's no matter whether it's a subtle or coarse condition. So then the developing the path is more like samaditi, the fourth noble truth is if you know in samaditi right understanding, you have this right understanding and then it, it should be developed. So the insight into the fourth noble truth is bhavana, uh, practice develop cultivating it. So then you you determine to, to cultivate that, no matter what's happening. So then like I was here two years and then I went went to to England and and I, then I made that my priority, this mindfulness is a priority. Because here I was going you know, to a situation I didn't know and and my nature, my personal tendency would be to worry and anticipate and create all kinds of possible <coughs> scenarios of success and failure and, and that on a personal level my mind proliferates and that's very worries about failing. So I had to make this, you know, the strongest determination, the lotus in the midst of the inferno, mindfulness, no matter what, you know, if they're torturing you or 
nailing you to a cross or burning the stake, or be mindful. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, nothing like that ever happened, but you're in, you know, you're really challenged a lot. You, be, you recognize it. <laughs> uh, you know, both from external and by your own personal tendencies and habits, fears. But it's all past knowledge once you trust it. You can use whatever, whatever happens to you.